high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. And you're going to say, you know what, AJ? I'm sorry. In, in 20 years, you're going to say, I'm sorry. And I'll forgive you because I'm that kind of a guy. That was a great backup. He was, you know, let's let's put a backup in the Hall of Fame. And then turn starter. What do you know? Because he's amazing. He is. Eric Franson, and Andre Salveson, happy Thursday to you. One and all, May 20th, 401, your kickoff time here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, 106.9thefan.com. Thanks for joining us, however and wherever you may be. Hope you're having a wonderful Thursday. It is... Well, it was good weather, then it turned horrendous weather, now it's back oh, to okay cool weather. Cool day today. Yeah, yeah, it has been. I was, oh, chilly. Man, I was freezing in Bear Lake. Did oh, get, by the way. So you just strung up 30 feet on a So, tower? no, well, yeah, I, no and yes. Uh, by the way, before we get there, CashValleyDaily.com, Rod Bohm did a great article on the great things going on in Bear yeah, Lake. Yeah, but there's a weird picture in there. It's a weird picture on the article. What are you talking about? There's a mugshot of some some. some Low class worker. Okay, so I may or may not have read the article yet, uh, but I know <laughs> he put it out because someone messaged me and said, "Hey, when's this thing coming out?" And so uh, I didn't even. I need to look at that. Wait, is it me? Wait, no, it's not because I'm not a low. I'm a high worker. I'm a high. I gotta pay it only a because high you salary. get stuck on high towers. That's why you're a high worker. So today we were on the zip line today. Oh my gosh, it was freezing cold, and you're going about thirty miles an hour. I couldn't feel my fingers. And then I couldn't get like, and so I felt dumb. Like yeah, look, she had trained us how to like get the equipment off of us, and so I'm up there and I can't get it off. And she's like, "Aj, it's the wire on top of the pole." I'm like, "What? I can't find Aj. You're holding on to it." Oh, sorry, my hands are way cold. I can't really feel anything. I just kept giving him that excuse. So the picture that he used, you look like you're angry, like you just had some bad onions or something. Bad onions. <laughs> Like what? Why are you looking at me? Why? Well, I. Okay. You're kind of like scowling into the camera, like you're you're that smoldering. I'm smoldering, Aj. Smoldering. Smoldering, Aj. Look, I take a lot of photos because I get a lot of requests, and so I'm standing high in this tower. (laughs) I must be very important. I'm quoted in a news article. It's kind of the same way you talk to me. (laughs) I'm important. Jeez. I'm Batman. Smoldering. Smoldering. <laughs> oh, man, that is a horrible photo. What the hell, Rod? <laughs> uh, hey, big big developments happening today. He just that said have, turn around and look. I have nothing, nothing to do with uh, Ajay's profile pictures <laughs> in a news article. Uh, Utah State basketball has two announcements made official today. We talked about one of them yesterday, but we have comments from Craig Smith today and another one that uh, became official today. Uh, as, as we've talked about, the comings and goings about who is committed and who isn't uh, to Utah State has been a bit of a, a moving target uh, lately, but Utah State making two announcements, official letters of intent uh, signed for these commitments so they can uh, make that announcement official from Utah State. So we'll talk about them. Uh, there's movement in the NBA and the NCAA. And it's about upward return. movement. yes. A return to play. It looks positive. Looks like something's going to happen. <laughs> looks like something's going to happen. <laughs> no, it is actually good news. Uh, uh, we'll get to all that. Uh, and then, by the way, just want to make sure that we tease for tomorrow. Um, don't want to leave this out. Ryan Zimmerman, former great athlete coming out of Cash Valley, uh, played in the uh, 
played in the majors with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays when he was drafted in 2005. Uh, was a double scholarship at uh, multi scholarship athlete at Southern Utah in football and in baseball. Uh, just a really all around great athlete, one of the best ever come out of the valley. Top three, in my opinion. Broke 13 state records in high school as a quarterback at Mountain Crest High School. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. Well, we're going to do a pre-recorded interview, and then he'll uh, and then we'll play that uh, on our show tomorrow. Uh, Ryan is not a guy that talks about his accomplishments much. Actually, sorry, he never does. He, did, in fact, he's pretty reluctant to do the interview, and I actually had to talk him into it um, because he doesn't want to go on the you know the radio and brag about himself in high school. He just doesn't. He thinks that's so overboard and overdone but I told him the impact he had on the valley because of his uh his achievements and such I, I thought would stand out well and so uh, I'm going to do an interview with him tomorrow morning we'll play that on the air tomorrow um if if we go a bit longer we'll just give you a bits and pieces of it or I guess a bit of it and then you can follow the rest of it on the podcast but uh can't wait for tomorrow morning to uh to talk to Ryan it'll be good uh 5338 looks like Craig Smith will have an opening for an Interpreter on the team next year. Yeah, he's gonna have somebody that understands Polish. Oh, well, Kuba. Okay, good Kuba point. understands Polish and he could help out. But now he's got to have somebody that uh, can speak Ukrainian. Sorry, five three three. I was a little bit slow there. Nice, good one. I like that. Yeah, you. You know what? That's a good point. I think if you want to, if you want to be able to speak to the kids on a normal basis, need an interpreter. Hey, tell him that was an absolutely horrible play that he made. The interpreter. You guys really learned it out, which means great play. Nice job. <laughs> Dude, no. Uh, no, this is actually really exciting, Eric. Uh, now, by the way, I want to make confirmation of this. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. Uh, not only did Carson Bischoff uh, enter back in the transfer portal, uh, I've reached out to Nigel John. He is also uh, rescinded he, his he's confirmed that to letter you. of intent. Yeah, he confirmed it to me. His verbal commitment. Is that, is that, is that what it is? Verbal commitment. He's rescinded it, and he's actually going to be opening himself back up into the recruiting process. So Nigel John, as of right now, is no longer back in the fold or in the fold at Utah State. So here comes Simon Zapala. Uh, the kid, Eric. Zapala. Is it, okay, is it Zapala or is it Zapala? Or is it Zapala? Are you, don't, stop it. You stop it right I now. I think it's up to interpretation unless somebody we need an interpreter who has spent right a lot of now. time in Poland can help us get a proper pronunciation. I am not one of those said people. Hey, so uh, I know we talked a little bit about it yesterday, Eric, but I kind of want you your further to examine this. Kuba, Dorius, Namiish, and Simon. Where... And as we talked about yesterday, Kuba was in the doghouse and then looked like a deer in headlights immediately when he came back and didn't see the floor, I don't think, the rest of the way after that, actually. Yeah, but there were also moments where he played a critical role for Utah where? State early on when uh, Nimi was I hurt. I guess when Nimi was out, yeah. Yeah. I thought Dorius was a little bit better, though. I thought Dorius was more physically tough, mentally tough. Could, when he got angry, he played better. Uh, but then also at the same time, Dorius looked at times where he just wasn't getting it. Um, but I like Doris, Dorius, excuse me, Trevin Dorius more so because of his defensive skill. I think Kuba's getting there, but I don't think Kuba has enough meat on him either. Well, I, I think both of them have still have a ways to go if they want to see regular, consistent, Playing solid time. minutes yeah. uh, for Utah State. Um, I, I, I think both of them have some some opportunities and some and some upside, but they've got to 
they got to put some work in. Uh, at the uh, tournament, the 2019 Under-18 FIBA European Championships, uh, Zapala led Poland to the finals, averaging 7.5 points, five, just over 5 rebounds, 1 block per game. His team finished second in that tournament. He scored in double figures in two of those games. Uh, and he played for Treffle Solpot. Man, this is tough. In the Under-20 Polish Cup, uh, he helped his squad or at least his side, to the championships, earning MVP honors. Uh, and then at the high school level, he averaged just under 18 points, 13.5 rebounds, 2.5 blocks, and just over 2 assists per game. This guy is an offensive weapon. And if he can get where he is, de- if he can get him defensively stout, strong, and smart, he might be, I don't know if he would redshirt or not, but man, Namish could use a really good backup. Yeah, he could. Well, Nimi, yes, he could use a really good backup, but I think there's a couple of guys that are there that have been has spent some time in the system and are playing for that opportunity to be Nimi's backup. I think we'll have to wait and see what what uh, Zapala looks like. Um, but yeah. my guess is that he's going to need some time to acclimate to Craig Smith, to the Utah State system, and the American culture, um, and just understanding. The, the American game. It is a little bit different. There are different rules, uh, slightly. Um, but um, I, I'm not saying I know a lot about this guy because I don't. But uh, it, it's probably going to... I mean, he's pretty skinny. He's, he could use some time in the weight room, try to bulk up a little bit um, to play at a high level uh, here in the States. But you know, look in the FIBA Under-18 Championship, he had some games where he had a really big impact. He had one game against Estonia where he scored... Uh, is 16 points, um, pulled down five rebounds against uh, Czech Republic. He had 10 points, seven rebounds. Um, and so he's had some, he had three blocks, by the way, in that game against Estonia. So he had some games where he was a really a standout player, but then there were a couple other games where he was pretty quiet and didn't do a heck of a whole lot. Um, so, but that was the same thing when I was looking over the, the, the numbers over the tournament from uh, uh, Maxim Shulga, that there were some games where he was great, but others that he just really didn't do anything at all. So it, it could have just been matchups. Maybe he rolled an ankle. Uh, maybe they're just playing another. He missed a few shots, so they're playing the other guy more instead of him. So there's a lot that we just don't know in this tournament. But that Polish team played really well. Oh, yeah. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they finished third in that uh, uh, FIBA um, under 18 European Championship. Wasn't it second? Was it second? Yeah. Israel was. was number one. I, I remember seeing that. Yeah, I think it didn't it say it was second, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, Israel was number one. Right. Poland was number two. Czech Republic was number three. Ukraine was number nine. Which, by the way, leads us to our next guy. We go from the front court to the back court where Max Shulga. Of Ukraine, uh, signed a national letter of intent to join the Aggies for the 2021 season. Shulga played for Ukraine at the 2019 Under-18 FIBA European Championships, as Eric mentioned. He graded out, Eric, as the most efficient player for his team and among the top five most efficient players in the entire tournament. He scored double figures in all but two games and averaged, in fact, he surpassed 20 points against North Macedonia. Um, scoring 21 points and adding 16 rebounds for his first of two double-doubles. It's incredible. He finished the tournament averaging 13 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 2 steals per game, and was the top shooter in the tournament, shooting 61% from the field, 65% from inside the arc, and 52% from deep. This kid 
is a good shooter. Uh, and if he, like you said, can get used to the United States culture, environment, game, he could be very lethal for this creation squad. Yeah, one of the things I really like about Maxime, because I'm going to call him Maxime because that's his name. Max for short, so Americans can understand that. But Good for you, Eric. Yes, his name is Maxime. You do Ukraine. Um, but uh, I, I like that he's he's a scorer. He's got a scorer mentality, but he does a lot of other things, as you noted. There was a game where he had 16 rebounds. It was against Macedonia. Yep. Uh, another game where he had 10 rebounds against Georgia. Uh, eight against Bulgaria. Uh, a couple other games, he had nine and seven. Um, there was... Uh, a game where he had six assists against Bulgaria, five assists against Georgia. So there was there, uh, he picked up steals in almost every game, five steals in one of his games in that tournament. So he does a lot of things uh, to help his team out, uh, plus minus on him. Pretty good. It's a little bit inconsistent. Some where he was a positive 23, others he was a negative six. So, uh, but... He uh, he does he seems to do a lot of different things to help his team win. It doesn't say how big he is, is it? Uh, yeah, he was six foot four, if I'm not mistaken. From what I saw, from people I talked to, six three or six four, I can't remember. From people I talked to close to the Utah State basketball program, Eric, they're really excited about this kid because he's an offensive weapon, and that they feel like he's got good size. I, according to them, uh, he. Uh, I we talked about the need for a guard, right? Especially, you know, Carson Bischoff is gone. Uh, you still have Marco, Liam, uh, Brock Miller. Who else am I missing here, man? I'm missing one more. Um, Sean Bersto is another one. Uh, so now you got that fifth guy. Uh, it's 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 a it's a deep back court to be honest with you. You got I mean you got two shooting guards and two point guards or three shooting guards and one point guard. However you look at it. Um, but they can mix and match. If he can be a dual-threat guard, being a point that can handle the ball, or being an off-the-ball shooting guard, boy, he's going to be pretty darn... I'm pretty excited about this kid. I, I really am. And I think him performing as well as he did at the 2019 Under-18 FIBA European Championship, that's tough basketball over there. That's not easy basketball. They know how to play. Um, so yeah, one site that I have uh, that I found lists him at uh, six foot three. So he's still got a little bit of growing to do that. Right, he could. Right, he's um, he's seventeen. He turns eighteen next month. Hey, does late it, next month. Does it kind of? Because you were just talking about how you know you have to adjust yourself to the you know United States culture of basketball. Does that anymore make you appreciate Sean Barristow and what he did? Coming from, I think, was he from like Australia? He's from Australia. But what he did, and then came to the United States, and all of a sudden was starting as a freshman, big important time minutes include, and then playing important minutes in the Mount West Conference Championship before he hurt his arm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I mentioned that. I don't think it's that big of an obstacle today as perhaps it used to be. There are some minor changes. See, I think it's a bigger obstacle. But basketball is basketball. I mean, once the ball hits the it's the hardwood. Basic fundamentals are still the same. Yeah, but the, the speed is quicker. Yes, the that is true. Athleticism is probably better in America. Athleticism, too. Uh, physicality is different in America than it is in most other places around the world. Um, but it's an, always an adjustment coming from yeah. one level and coming up to the next. From the high school level to the college level, it's an adjustment. Most guys aren't physically 
ready to really handle it at the same level. Um, and uh, internationally, you know, it's it's just, it's just another adjustment. It's another step up that I need to get used to. Craig Smith on Nimi, um, he was he adjusted fine. He came over from Portugal. Yeah, that's freshman true. year. He was great. That's true. That's definitely true. Craig Smith on Max Shilga says, quote, we are thrilled to announce that Max Shilga will be joining the Aggie family. As witnessed by his numbers, Max is a versatile player that does a lot of things well on both ends of the court. He's tough, gritty, highly skilled, and has a very good feel for the game. Max has great passion and energy. When you combine that with his character, he will thrive at Utah State. Do you feel at least a little bit sad that we lost Nigel John? Because I've seen his highlight film. That guy could leap out of the roof. Well, the, the thing that's hard to know is we don't have a lot of film on these international guys. Yeah. We're so only seeing highlights. We yeah. don't really know what what we're getting and compared to what we potentially lost. Sure. So uh, that's what's always hard. Because with Nigel John, there was a little bit more detail out there about who he was and what he could do and what potential he could bring to Utah State. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's it's kind of hard to compare. So good signings for the Utah State Aggies as they continue to build their squad for the 2020-21 season. Eric, as they continue but, to... But I will say this. This Simon Zappala, he's rated as a four-star recruit. Yeah. I mean, Utah State, for whatever the sport, rarely gets four-star recruits. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that and, is... and these are... Both of these guys are ones who were being chased by pretty significant programs. Yeah. And they chose Utah State. One of them was chosen, like, I mean, he had Auburn, Wake Forest, and a couple other ACC squads on his list, and he took Utah State over all of them. That's, yeah, that's true. That's really, really impressive. Uh, I want to ask about, with recruiting, where do you go now? You've got that fifth guard, I guess, number five, if you want to, um, on the depth chart. What else are you looking for? Do you need another guard? Do you want another maybe you know a middleman like a, a Alfonso Anderson type player? Where do you go? That's a great question. I I think that I mean again I'm not in the practices. I don't know what how things are developing so far. But based on what we saw last year, what we think we know about what next year's team would look like, I, I think that that swing player, that guy that that small forward, shooting small or shooting guard, that guy could be versatile to play. Uh, a couple different positions on the floor. Um, the kid handle the ball, shoot the ball, but um, has a certain size and physicality to uh, guard somebody in the post for uh, for a little bit. But probably more than not, uh, play a little bit away from the basket. So I think that's probably my hunch that uh, probably would be helpful, that type of player on a Utah State roster. But... Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Ajay? Yeah, uh, that's... I think someone like an Alfonso Anderson, like that middleman, Justin being Alfonso Anderson type player, they could probably use one more. Um, I, you know, and just because you never know, right? Because sometimes you got to... I hate to do this, but you sometimes you got to think worst case scenario. Like, to have Namish out for as long as he was. Luckily, we had two big backups in Cuba and in Doris, but if we didn't, how much trouble would we have actually been in? Right, because there were some games that Alfonso played the five. Yeah. I mean, how much trouble would we have been in playing against teams without a Cuba or a Dorius? 
So you almost got to say, okay, do we have enough depth at this position? I think guard-wise, you're good. I think big men, you're good. Or I guess uh, true big men, you're good. But maybe find one more guy to, to back up, to be uh, an emergency guy in case Alfonso and, and God willing that, I mean, God forbid that nothing else happens, nothing happens to these players. But if anything did happen to them, that this kid, young man would be ready. Maybe even a grad transfer. You might even look at that too. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't really know now that they've announced these two today what their what their scholarship well, opportunity or roster spots that, are. That Both Gotch kid, right from Utah. Well, I guess with Carson Bischoff leaving, that may maybe that opens up a spot. Still provides one more opening. So here's my question: How many scholarships are open? Do we have? Do you know? I've lost count now because Nigel's gone. Is it two, or are we down to one? Well, that's a, that's a good question. i got to go back through, because you got to think, okay, Sam Merrill graduated. Abel Porter transferred. Um, Diogo Brito? Diogo Brito graduated. Um, Roche transferred. Because he's a graduate transfer, so that, but still, um, that, that I don't know if he was on scholarship or not, but just thinking of those who were here but who left, um, and then you had guys that you thought you were going to get Nigel John when Carson Bischoff is, is gone apparently. So, but then in, in contrast to that, they've signed a, a couple of guys here. So yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure where they're at on the full uh, available roster spots and available scholarships. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's still one more spot. I, I was going to say, I think there's one more, but I don't want to. I uh, and I'm texting somebody to ask uh, where they stand at in that regard, but if they have one more left, that's huge because then you can you can use that at your own leisure. In fact, they do, Eric. They have one left. So okay, so yeah, so well, you could use that based on yeah, kind of what we were thinking that that makes sense. So whether they use that for another freshman that's going to come in, a JC guy. A graduate transfer. There's there's still an opportunity there for Utah State to fill out that roster with one more position. And so, again, do you go after a specific type of position, or do you just sign the best guy that's still on your board? No, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh <laughs> maybe maybe you go after the best guy. I know that's being greedy. But I mean, that's what that's what it's all about. Go after the best guy left on the board, and if he's still available, give it a shot. And if it is both got or both gotch, then my gosh, go after him. Now again, he has a lengthy list of of suitors, and it's a very extensive and expensive and a very high sweet list of suitors. Uh, but yeah, throw it at him. See what you can do. And then if he doesn't go there at Utah State, then aim for somebody else. By the way, if you want to learn more about Max Shulga, Maxime, he goes by Max Shulga underscore on Instagram. If you want to follow him. Okay, so do if we ever have him on a show, please do not call him Maxime. Because I don't want him hanging up. <laughs> hey Max, hey Maxime, click. Don't do it. I know you I know you're thinking of it. That's don't his do full it. name. 
I'm excited about these young guys. Man, this is a young... Eric, we go from a very experienced team to a pretty darn young team. Now, I know that Sean Berstow, Brock Miller, um, Justin Bean and Amish Keta have got, all have had experienced minutes. I mean, I guess you could put Kuba and Doris in there as well. Um, but then, like, Marco, Liam... Who am I missing here, man? There's got to be another one I'm missing on this list. My gosh. Come on. Who am I missing? Mark? You already mentioned Bearstow? Um, as he as the experienced kid. Oh. Because he got heavy minutes. Okay. So is it just Marco and Liam who haven't who were on the team last year who didn't didn't experience minutes then? Is that it? Maybe we're not as young as I thought we were. Marco, Liam, Carson's gone, so that's out the window. So yeah, I think it's just that's, that's just those two then. Wow. Okay, we're not as young. Because according to you, based on your well, you're putting it. Uh, most everybody else got some minutes. Yeah. Well, Cuba played. Even, even Trevin and Cuba. Yeah. Well, Trevin played. Yeah. Trevin played pretty big minutes. Uh, Cuba did as well as you said early in the season without Namish Keta. So. Looking at Trevin and Cuba, their stats on the season, very, very similar. Give me it. 2.7 points per game, both of them. Uh, minutes, Dorius 8.6, Cuba 10.6. But. Trevin appeared in 25 games compared to Cuba's 15. Uh, rebounds, Cuba, slight advantage, 3.2 rebounds a game to 2.6. Uh, Cuba, 0.7 assists compared to Trevin's 0.2. Steals, Cuba, 0.5 compared to Trevin's 0.2. Blocks, Cuba, 1. One block per game. Trevin, 0.4. Turnovers, about the same, 0.4 and 0.5. Field goal percentage, Cuba, 60.7. Trevin, 51.9. Oh, wow. Free throw percentage, Cuba, 35%. That's terrible. Trevin, 38.7%. Also terrible. But that's where they are. That, those are their stats. Very similar. Hard to make an argument that one guy stands above the other one right now. So it's going to be good competition to see who's the number two backup center for Utah State this coming fall. And by the way, real quickly about Max. Okay, I'll start calling him Max. That's what his. I just don't want you to offend the young man. That's what his Instagram handle is. He wants to go by Max. I will call him Max. Thank you. It's all we're asking. No, his name is Maxime. Little respect. So uh, you ran through a few of his percentages and some of the things that he did. How well he did in the European Championship, in the under eighteen Euro Championship Division B. He had the best percentage, uh, uh, best field goal percentage shooting. He had the best uh, two-point field goal percentage, and he had the best three-point field goal percentage. He was 52.9% from three. 65.2% inside the arc. 65.2% from a shooting guard. That's amazing. Uh, He was a top five in efficiency. He was a top 15 in total points. Top 15 in total rebounds per game. Again, this is a shooting guard. Wait, top 15? Top 15 in rebounds in this whole tournament. And he was in the top 15 in double-doubles. How do you find guys like that? In college, how do you find guys like that? Are you just sitting there watching like all the European channels? Like, oh, we found a basketball game. Good, let's see what we got. Or is it Craig Smith's day? Coach, need to go to Ukraine? Look at this kid. Well, we, we got to go to the uh, U18... <laughs> 
European Championship, and we'll see who we can scout and who we can get to Utah State. Because both Zappala and, uh, and Shulga participated in that, in that yeah, same we're, tournament. We're both in that. That's pretty yeah. cool, too. I, I'm excited about this. Uh, the young talent that's coming here is uh, it's going to be something to be noticed of uh, in, the, uh, in the future years of Aggie basketball. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back. We've got great news for NCAA football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and maybe other sports. Also, we're on the uptrend of NBA basketball. Talk more about what we mean here coming up next. It's Eric France and Ozzy Salveson on the Full Court Press. 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Ajay Southstone on the Full Court Press, 106 on FM, 1390 AM, and 106onthefan.com. Thanks for joining us, however, and wherever you are doing so. Greatly appreciate it. Hope you're having a wonderful Thursday. We'll get you ready for the weekend tomorrow. Don't forget, Ryan Zimmerman will be on the show. Uh, former great athlete here in Cache Valley. Uh, played at Mountain Crest High School and uh, holds the record. Well, is, is second in the state for an ERA in a single season. Second in the state history. For an ERA in a single season, pretty impressive. Hey, by the way, if you're looking for highlights highlights of these two players, Zapala or uh, Shulga, Eric uh, on his Twitter account, at EFranson, has tweeted out the highlights for both players. Uh, watched a little bit of Max's just barely. Holy smokes. Looks pretty good. Uh, and I like this uh, Zapala. I'm watching him right now. Runs the floor pretty well. Uh, seems to have pretty good footwork. Calls for the ball well. Knows where to be. Uh, of course, there's a lot of dunks. He's bigger than most guys. But uh, yeah, it's worth checking out to see what, what these guys could look like in an Aggie uniform. Um, you want to yeah, see uh, what they did. By the way, um, just as a note of interest, Max Schulga turns 18 next month, and uh, Simon Zappala, he just turned 19 about two weeks ago. So just where they're at in their ages. He is going to be 18, and he's that good. Yeah, yeah, he's got good handles. Uh, Seems to have fine. a good, a pretty good nose for where to be and uh, for, for Max, uh, and um, and keeping an eye on where his teammates are too. Nine eight three five Eric he texts in and he says, "I think they need a power forward type player. Need help on the boards." He's not wrong. Look, having Justin Bean and Amish Ket on the floor together does you a lot of good. I mean, it's it's great because I mean you got those two guys. That's two Dennis Robbins on the floor without the wacky hairstyle and drama off the court. Uh, but after that, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a big drop-off, but I don't know if Anderson had that kind of production on the boards. Yeah, that's a good point. So if if Nimi goes out, whether it, Dorius or Kuba backs him up. If Bean goes out, who's his primary backup? Yeah, that's a good question. Would it be Alfonso? I would guess it would be Alfonso. Good size. Boy, and you know what? Because he can go inside out. Yes, he can. Which he could draw the opposing power forward away from the basket. You know what I loved about watching Alfonso? It's his footwork. His footwork in the post is really something to behold and to watch. I loved watching uh, the footwork of Alfonso. I I do. I like him as a backup power forward. Um, But who's who's the backup? If Brock Miller is your starter, who backs him up? Well, if Brock Miller's starting, I'm going to be throwing something at a TV. So, who's your who's your deadly outside shooter? 
a lot of other guys are versatile in things that they do, but who's like your specialist? Does he even have a specialist? Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing is that Carson would have been your specialist. Carson could shoot lights out. Liam can shoot pretty well. Consistently, I don't know because I've never seen him shoot for a long stretch of time. But he's got a nice stroke. Uh, so if if the starting lineup were to be Marco just in the backcourt, Marco, <laughs> dude, uh, Barristow's going to be in there somewhere. Is it Liam? Is Liam starting this? Because Brock's not going to start. Right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just after... If, he, if he's plateaued, then no. He probably shouldn't, but it's all about what are your options. But he felt... He, we, do you, we I think he played a lot of minutes was last better. year because there weren't many other valid, uh, valid options. What are you talking about? Diogo was a great option. And in fact, when, when, he, when they finally pulled the trigger, it worked really well. Diogo came in and did extremely well as as the replacement to Brock Miller. And Brock, to be very honest with you, I thought was better as a backup than he was as a starter. I think there's reason. some truth to that. I think there was less pressure for him, and it was probably easier for him to get going as a backup. So I wonder if... I do wonder if it ends up being Liam that gets to start over Brock Miller, but Miller's going to get the main backup minutes of any guard on that roster. Or it could be just because you start the game doesn't mean you, you finish the, the game. game. Yeah, yeah, that's happened a lot with Craig Smith's teams too. He mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, uh, and and it's it's not a bad thing by heavens. I mean, the, I mean the guy's freaking fifty five and fourteen. So what? I mean, what the heck do we know? Uh, but we're just saying that, yeah, he can be unpredictable with what he does, but he knows what he's doing. He's not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing, but he's unpredictable, which is. Which is what makes it fun. Um, I, I, I honestly could see Liam being a starter and Brock Miller getting the main backup minutes, but then, like you said, maybe Miller ends up finishing the game just based on he has the experience in those late clutch situations. Yeah. Uh, Eric, we got some good news coming out from the gridiron, mainly college football, who says, uh, or excuse me, after the NCAA, Division One Council voted Wednesday to allow voluntary on-campus athletic activities to resume in football and men's and women's basketball, which would start June 1st. Uh, now, already athletic directors are making plans, according to ESPN, to have athletes return to campus. And in fact, Ohio State's athletic director, Gene Smith, said on a teleconference call Wednesday that the school would allow voluntary workouts to resume on June 8th, pending the university's approval. So, Eric, my question to you, here's the, let's, let's do a two-part question. We'll ask the second part after the first part. Here's the first part. Season start on time, yes or no, and do we play a full schedule? So I think the way things are trending, that the season will start on time. I hear, I, I, I hear a but in the tone of your voice. <laughs> yes, that that is that schools will need to, and maybe the NCAA will have to have, come out and say something, or each conference will have to say something about identifying their protocols for isolating anybody who gets sick. Anybody who has a fever, whether it's confirmed coronavirus or not. Um, anybody who has a fever is going to be isolated. And so I think if they can do that, I think that the they can all agree to how to do that properly. 
just isolate individuals rather than shutting the whole team or the whole season down for everybody, that just makes more sense to be able to do that. But the NCAA hasn't always worked in the realm of what makes sense. Oh, far from it. So I think if they can all agree that here are the protocols, that if we can all agree we can do this in a certain way to protect the rest of the team from infection, this is what happens if somebody has a fever. This is how they're isolated the second you, you sense or detect a fever above 100 point whatever. Then I think that if they can figure that out and isolate individuals rather than shutting down everything, I think that's the way things are going to be trending over the next several months. And so I'm encouraged by that. And I, so I think that there will be a season that does start on time. Fans in the stands, I really don't know. Funny I think say- it becomes really, really tricky how to, to to tell some fans you can be there and others that you cannot. Ohio State's athletic director, according to Heather Dinich of ESPN, reports that Gene Smith said Wednesday that his athletic department has run several social distancing models to consider having fans in stands at the games this fall. And with the normal capacity of more than 100,000, would hold a crowd closer to twenty to 22,000, but up to forty or 50,000 if guidelines are relaxed. That's being incredibly optimistic for 20,000 fans. I well, you, You've got a 100,000-seat stadium. You can spread people out. And the th- other thing that's a good thing for college football is that it's outdoor. And vast majority of these football arenas in college majority. football are all outdoor. Yep. Well, now, here, as you brought up, the point and biggest concern is in order to determine who would get priority access, Gene Smith continued to say that the limited seats available would go through... Uh, a point system, which would already be in place, but it would consider faculty, staff, students, donors, media, parents, and other groups. Now, he says staff, students. He doesn't say the students. Staff, students. So, and you're right. Here's the problem. Like, if you go to a Utah State game, or if you want to go to a Utah State game, and they say, hey, we're going to allow you to come to the game, how do you prioritize who can go and who cannot? Do you say, uh, I mean, donors, only major donors, no students, only major donors and family members of the players, immediate? I don't know. Um, do you say, do you say season ticket holders and donors? Well, how, and how do you do it? Like, in my, how do you social distance in an arena if you limit it to, Groups of five together, groups of six together. From a player's family, and we're this is the one game we get to go to. We're going to bring twelve people in our group. Do we have to split up? Do we get a section to ourselves? How does that affect other people who wanted to sit in that area? So, if do some math for me, if Utah State seats around twenty three something thousand fans, right in their twenty five, twenty five. How many can they have there to be socially distant safe? I don't know. I have no idea. If if we're looking at the um, Ohio State model, if it's a hundred thousand seat arena and they let's just make the math easy, and twenty five thousand people can sit there, that's a quarter of the fans can be in the arena. Boy, that's not a lot of fans. So Utah if State Utah State's going to follow the same model, what is it? Seven? Yeah. Seven thousand. 
Now, San Jose State said six thousand. San Jose State has said that they will not have fans at their stadium. Well, by the way, breaking news: San Jose State's never had fans at their stadium. Uh, <laughs> They've been practicing social distancing for a for quite long some time. time. Uh, but for Utah State, uh, it'd be a lot different. Seven thousand fans inside that same, and again, socially distanced, properly done. Um, it, it's it's going to be tough to do. It's going to be really, really tough to do. That's all. I, so I'm almost to the fact of where you say, you know what? If we if we can only allow twenty something thousand fans of the game, just don't have any fans. Period. Because then you don't get this gripe session from everybody, and lose tickets or whatever, because you allowed some fans to go to the game but not others. Now, if you're able to mix up and say, you know what? Okay, this group can go on this game. This group can go on this game, and this group can go on this game. There you go. But again, if someone's allowed to go to the Michigan game and then some other guy's allowed to go to the watch the Indiana Hoosiers, there's gonna be some upset people. Like, is it, there's no way to make them happy? So I say, if you if you can only, if you can't have everybody there, don't have fans at all. Let it be just the players and immediate people who need to be there, who are required to be there. Or or you say, you know what, student section only, and family members of the players. So no donors, and no season ticket holders. I don't, I don't know because Otherwise, the donors are going to be living. I, that's true. Otherwise, you look at you'll get blasted as well. You only care about the money, which let's be honest, that's what it's all about anyway. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear how would you like to see the system for fans if fans are allowed to attend the game. What do you think, or what would contribute as being fair? to allow fans of the game if they're not going to allow all 25,000 that the same can hold. If you can only allow 6,000 people oh, to see a game at Utah State University. Hey, does that include media too? How do you... No, I think that would be... Just fans. Just in the in the normal seating okay. area. Okay. Now granted, Utah State has some box seats and some areas like that you can isolate some things, but for the vast majority, you're looking at that 25,000 seat arena. Uh, stadium, and if you're only going to allow six thousand people in there, how do you determine who gets in and who has to stay out? Four three five three three nine zero three two one. Text in. Love to hear your thoughts on on how you would want to handle this. Uh, before we take a break, Aj, I have to pass this along. This is kind of cool. It's Memorial Day coming up this weekend. It is. I totally like that. Got lost on me. It just seems too early. But next Monday is Memorial Day. So a lot of people getting their plans ready for Memorial Day weekend. One of the things that's always kind of fun to do is make sure you're stocked up on all the right stuff. Al's Sporting Goods is a great place to do that. Uh, there's going to be a live Al's. broadcast happening there tomorrow. Go check them out. Uh, between 3 and 6 tomorrow afternoon, our good friend Will, he'll be there broadcasting live. We'll maybe hear hear from him a little bit tomorrow uh, on during our show. But Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, thousands of guns and optics, uh, propel trampolines, they got all kinds of different sandals, cooking pots, razor scooters that are on sale, uh, fire pits. So all kinds of crazy stuff that you might need for the summer and to get outside because you've been pent up inside with your social isolation <laughs> for so long. You want to get out and do things. Al's Sporting Goods has all kinds of great things on sale this weekend. Big event tomorrow. Go check it out between 3 and 6 and uh, at, uh, just at their main location there at 1075 North Main in Logan. Love Al Sporting Goods. I go there for all my sporting goods needs, and they they have everything I need. Everything I need. 
Hey, by the way, 5763 text in. Let's go ahead and read this really quickly. First come, first served online ticket sales. I okay. like it. Yeah. Hey, Get look, them while they're gone. We are going to... Get them before they're gone. You announced we are going to sell the tickets at 10 a.m. today. You be ready to go because we're going to take first come, first serve. After they're gone, they're gone. I like that idea. 9315 text in and says, I don't think there's a way for them to be... Uh, for them to be... Fair for fans. Somebody will get left out, but it'll be more worth it to have some fan than no fans at all. And I totally agree with that. I would rather have some, even if there's inequity about who gets to be there, than an empty arena. Ooh. So, yeah. You'd have to say that's no a great visiting point. fans. That's a great point. Yeah, no you, visiting fans. No visiting fans. Sorry, if you're just down the road, sorry, you don't get your ticket allotment. Sorry, we have limited seating, and we're only going to make it available to our people. Oh man, that sucked for the Utah State Aggies because they go to BYU this year. But what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? Um, yeah, that'd be tough. No, I I like it nine three one five. I think I mean I I see both sides of it. Like if someone's going to get left out, deal with it. It's just it's just how it's going to be this year. Then it's not a merit based system. It's just hey, here they are. But come on. Yeah, five seven six three is right though. There's going to be a way that they sale, try to get. Look, we're going to have, we're going to take care of our big donors first, and then we're going to leave it a block for everybody else to fight over. Which actually, you've got an athletic department to fund. Yeah, you got scholarships to, to fund. fund. <laughs> you only imagine. All right, take a break. Coming back, NBA has also got some good news. We'll talk about that. Eric France and Aj Salves here on the Full Court Press, one hundred six on FM thirteen ninety AM and one hundred six on thefan.com. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric Franson, and Salveson, Salveson, Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hope you're well. Hope you're happy as we get you ready for the weekend. I think you should rename, whenever you introduce our names, Yeah, Eric Franson and Smoldering Ajay Salveson. Okay. Look, Rod said, one, two, three, bam, look. And I was like, what? Okay, he didn't even give me You're the, like, like giving you your best blue steel. He didn't even give me like the whole cheese, you know, say cheese or say Bridgewood Adventure Park. He just said, one, two, three, Ajay, what? Look. I gave him a look. Smoldering. Stop it. Making me feel uncomfortable. So the NBA uh, could be returning. It looks more and more positive that the NBA season will resume. And uh, we hear that the teams maybe start calling their players back soon to their practice facilities. That could be happening within the next few weeks. Um, cool side story: Mike Connolly donating two hundred thousand dollars to various different organizations. Um, you know the. Rudy Gobert donated $500,000 early on in all this, so Utah Jazz players doing good. But there's continuing momentum about the NBA heading to Walt Disney World as a quote-unquote bubble site for the NBA to resume. And when I first heard about that, I thought, Disney World, where are they going to set up? Like, in the middle of the Magic Kingdom? They're going to have a court somewhere over in the Animal Kingdom side of things? And spread things out in the different parks. Well, it turns out they have the wide world of sports as a site. They've done various different things in the summer at Walt Disney World. And 
they actually have multiple courts. Uh, they have 12 courts, and they have access to broadcast facilities there in the park. So, And they have lots of hotels, uh, lots of hotel space. And it is pretty isolated if you're just there in the park. So Walt Disney World seems like it is a pretty smart place for the NBA to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's really the only way to go at this point. Um, I know it kills Las Vegas to know that Disney World will probably be taking over the NBA at least for the rest of the season. Uh, but that's how it's just going to happen. But they might still need two different sites. They may need another location besides just Disney World. Because as we said, there's like 259 games or whatever that need to be played mm-hmm. before you start the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of games to be played on 12 courts. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But it looks like the NBA is moving to games that could be starting as early as mid-July. We would love... I just want to see some live sports. And I'm not talking about... No offense. I'm not talking about NASCAR. I'm not talking about live golf. I'm talking about real sports. Competitive dart throwing? <laughs> Cornhole? I'm so, I'm so sick of Ocho, ESPN, the Ocho, whatever the <laughs> crap it is. I can't do this anymore, man. Goat I watch calling? Spike ball. Like... Come on. Ultimate Frisbee? Yeah. That's another one. The table tennis? All right. For that... Smoldering zipline action? Good night, everybody. Can't do this anymore. God.